listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. There, I'm Adam Solarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast episode 16. All right, we're getting closer and closer to that 20 episode mark. That's yes. going to be a big milestone we for us. To, we need to get a cake or something ordered. I know. We. I, I hope we can keep this going as long as long uh, as long as we can because it's fun every week to come back and, and add a new one to the library. Really fun episode last week. Yeah, whenever we had Chief Meteorologist Nicholas Ferrari in here, great discussion about the Memorial Day outbreak we had one year ago and just how our severe weather procedures and our severe weather attitude is. And we're going to touch on that here a little bit as well throughout this podcast, but really cool to have him in here. Thanks for him to co- thanks to him for coming in and talking with us, and we'll definitely be having him back again. Yeah, very exciting also because he's Chief Meteorologist Nicholas Ferreri. He's your boss. He's not someone that necessarily you know some of those outside things about. I didn't know he wanted to be Regis Philbin, or he talked about how he enjoys – he talked about some of those moments on air where he enjoys – you know, being more of the talk show host uh, type of personality. I never really knew that too much. So it's cool to we got to get a little more experience with Nicholas. So if you haven't heard that yet, last episode, episode 15, it posted just below this episode. Give it a listen. We all After love Nicholas. To this one. We all love Nicholas Ferrari. He's the man. And he gave a great, great uh, interview last week. Really fun to have him on. So now we're here, episode 16. Yes. And you yesterday accomplished something for the first time, you told me. In your lifetime, you got an eagle. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, of course. Eagle. Eagle. Uh, made a couple birdies in my life for sure. Uh, that Just was a, a couple? That took a while to get some birdies on the card, but I think I'm probably close to career birdies up around 10 or 11 maybe. I I usually have a good look at birdie once, if not twice, around. Yeah, you get Whether a good Whether or not look. I convert, I do not know. Right. Sometimes it's a little bit more depending on the day. But they're still uh, they're still elusive out there. Absolutely, more bogeys on the scorecard than there are birdies for sure. And I actually made a birdie yesterday too. So I was playing local golf course yesterday uh, with my dad. He was in town. Good to see him because with everything going on, it's been a while, you know. And it was really fun to get out there and play. And all of a sudden, after a little bit of little bit of a slow start, I just I got hot for like six eight holes to where. I was doing no worse than bogey, and I was making pars. I had a birdie in there, and I had an eagle in there. So that's the good part of the story. So, yeah, what we were texting because you told me you got an eagle. What happened? So let's talk e- about the eagle first. Okay. Let me let me set this up even more. So it's par 5, 520 yards, downhill, and then we'll get to the second part of the hole in a second. So I, I tee off between – it's narrow trees there, narrow window, just tee off straight as an arrow, de- way down there. I've got the app that tells you how far away you are. I did the subtraction, 520 minus about 180 out or so. I had like a 330-yard drive. Downhill helped you. Downhill, absolutely. It was a little bit drier, so you got some roll. Absolutely. Not taking away from your 330-yard drive. But (laughs) but this wouldn't have happened if that didn't happen. Yeah. So then I'm sitting there going, okay, second shot. We're looking in. We've got some trees around the pin. I have to cross a creek. My app tells me about 180 yards out. I was like... Let's just go with a five iron. Give me enough distance. I don't want to be short. I really don't want to be long either, but we'll do it. So I already hit the perfect drive on this hole. Now I hit a perfect five iron. Awesome ball flight. 
Real nice tall ball flight. You know, came in right into the green. Huge divot mark in the center of the green. Ball rolls back behind the flag. I'm on the green in two. I'm like, man, am I playing Tiger Woods 13 video game or something? <laughs> I mean, it was it was like that, and it felt that easy. Like, I didn't even think about it. So then I'm sitting there. I did not register that this was a par 5 in my head. I had about a 20-footer downhill putt, a little turn to the right at the end. I just hit the I just hit the golf ball, and it goes right in the hole. And I went, oh, my goodness, that's an eagle. My dad goes, eagle! Step up to the next tee. This is why I'm telling the whole story because <laughs> that was that was like the moment, man. I mean, I, that was awesome. You're flying high, literally, eagle. I had chipped in on a par 3 earlier for birdie. I mean, I was feeling good. Next tee shot after the eagle. Right into the woods. Dropped the ball. Next shot, right into the woods. Made an eight. So we went from an eagle on a par five <laughs> to what would be considered a quadruple bogey, eight. Snowman. While losing two balls on that hole. So it wasn't a super long hole. I was able to come back. Uh, I think it was only another shot in and two putts or something. I saved it. But, man, man, man. And here's the best part of it. I was playing so good for a stretch yesterday. I still screwed it up on the last couple of holes. I don't know if I got tired. I don't know if I got in my own head. Um, but that's golf, man. Eagle. It's exciting to get out there and have those moments to happen. And then I, I always like to say, golf gods giveth, and then golf gods taketh away. And that's what it sounds like happened to you. It's a very humbling game. But that's what makes you come back. Because as much as I had some frustrations on later holes and was losing golf balls and kind of just wanted to stop, you look back at those moments where all of a sudden you can tell by yourself, okay, I've improved in this game. I've, I never would have been able to do this. That's what makes you come back next week. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that we've talked about golf many times on this podcast, so we, we try and limit how much we yeah, talk right. about it because we can talk about it for a while. Uh, but we'll probably you know, teasing that we're probably going to talk about it next week as well because right now on the books we're both off on the same day, so we're probably going to try and get out. Hopefully the weather cooperates and we'll be able to get out and uh, see who wins. Ooh, Adam's starting the game up. We tied last time we played. Yes, we did. That was uh, that goes back to last year. Late yeah. last year we played in the fall. The last time we played a full 18 was in October. Yeah, we got out in January, but that was just to get out and play the fact that right. <laughs> it's January right. 2nd and we're able to play. We only played nine holes that day, but when we played back in October together, I think we tied with a 92. Mm-hmm. Incredible. It was a good time. We'll and see we, what happens. We're, we're usually pretty even golfers, so uh, we'll see how... See how our next round goes, but we are in June, so more golf is going to be had throughout this year. June also marks the beginning of meteorological summer. We'll talk about that in Tracking the Topics. Tracking the Topics. So June 1st marks the official beginning of meteorological summer. It also marks the end of meteorological spring, which was a massive roller coaster of temperatures. We saw above average start to March, and then we fell below average throughout much of April. So as much above average as we were in March, we were equally below average pretty much in April. And that cold stretch continued into May. We saw an inch and a half of snow in April, and we even saw some snow on May 11th. Not much in terms of accumulation, but still we saw some flakes. We also saw some grapple mixing in on May 11th across the area. And then we had a big warm-up in time for Memorial Day where we were pushing back up near 90 degrees so it was quite the crazy spring where our overall average temperature was just six tenths of a degree below normal so temperatures pretty average yeah it was interesting we were going from 
at one point we went from the first 80 of the year. Well, let's let's backtrack that. April snow. Then a couple of weeks later, we had the first 80 of the year. Then a week later, we set the all-time coldest temperature in Fort Wayne on, on uh, recorded history here in Fort Wayne for a May temperature down in the 20s. Then we rebound right back up, and we're seeing 90s. So it's uh, it's interesting. And we had our first 90s last week, and then we stepped right back down below average, a complete roller coaster that roller coasters last like three minutes maybe, two, three minutes. This, yeah, this one was, lasted 90 days or so. Yeah, there's three months of a roller coaster. And in terms of precipitation, the big difference and the big story here was how different it was from last spring in right. 2019, which was a soaker of a spring. We only saw about nine and a quarter inches of rain this spring, which is a little bit below average. And then when we factor how much less we saw compared to last year, it's quite substantial. It's over four inches less than what we saw. So that just shows how much rain we saw in 2019. We had serious concerns a year ago with flooding around the areas and the area. And it was, for me, with my first experience in this market, I moved here in January. So that was my first time ever seeing a Fort Wayne spring. Now, yes, I lived in Muncie for a while and I lived in Chicagoland for a while, but we didn't have quite the rivers or the, the network of rivers that we have here. So to see how that really impacted surrounding communities last year was, was kind of at times heartbreaking, especially for the farmers who really struggled last year as well. Yeah, and I'm sure they are thankful that we have seen a drier spring. I think everything went much more smoothly this year in terms of getting crops in the ground, getting out into the fields. So I think they're thankful for that. And they may be thankful that we're going to see potentially now that the crops are in the ground, looking ahead for the next three months of meteorological summer, June, July, and August, leaning towards above average precipitation to help now water those crops. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting because I think a lot of the last summers have turned into, feels like they've all kind of started on the wet side, but then have really dried out. So it's interesting to see if we get to July and August and still are talking about some widespread rain activity, that would be a bit of a change from what we've been used to. Has that been similar in your couple of years here as well? It, yeah, the last two springs have been very, very wet. And this year, not as much. We were about an inch and a quarter below average. So obviously not what we typically see for a spring. And it's it will be interesting to see how the summer progresses. Because like you said, we usually continue that wet spring into a wet start to summer. And then we have a dry period where things really dry out and there's even some minor drought in spots across the area. It's been interesting because the pattern that we've been experiencing that we almost highlighted about two weeks ago, we, we could feel it coming. One of, the, one of these patterns where you get a nice big dome of warm air over a portion of the United States, it's a little early for that. A lot of times we get that mid to late July even and into August for sure. Um, so it feels like things are happening a little bit earlier, kind of tying that in with severe weather as well. We had what we had here for us with temperature and precipitation, but the United States as a whole saw a very below average month of May in terms of severe weather after a very active April. Yeah, April was 
we we documented it here almost weekly with tornadoes in Nashville and parts of Mississippi. We saw a dramatically different May, and you have some stats that you pulled from the uh, from the Storm Prediction Center that help illustrate that point. That's right. Yeah, shout out to the Storm Prediction Center for sharing these. I saw some of their forecasters had dug up some information, but it was nice to to get the official Twitter account to. Uh, they did some some digging through all their numbers. Uh, May 2020 was the first year without a moderate risk or a high risk since 1995. And I believe that's when the SPC outlooks were, that's when they started coming out in the way they do now. Yeah. Um, So that's pretty significant. A lot of times you think of May being that big time severe weather month uh, as, as the jet lifts out of Dixie Alley in April and really brings severe weather chances and a, and a tornado chasing season chance for the Great Plains. Didn't see that too much in May. In fact, May 2020 had the fewest number of tornado watches issued going back to 1970. Only 10 tornado watches the entire month of May. What I also found interesting is if you look at the top five Mays to have the lowest number of tornado watches. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. The top five lowest years in which Mays had low tornado watches all occur in the last decade. So this year we only had 10 tornado watches, 2016, 2012, 2014, 2018, and of course 2020 are your top five, all going back to 1970. So the question is, was the weather really that much more benign over the past four weeks? Or is our technology better? To where in the past we may have seen what looks to be the makings of a tornado outbreak, or at least the setup for tornadoes, but now we have better data, better information. Okay, well, we see that this may not result in a tornado outbreak today. Let's go with the severe thunderstorm watch. I think it's a combination of both. But I think data plays a bigger role in it than, say, a benign season. Because if you have more data and you have a better understanding of the setups required, which is what we're continuing to gather, we're getting to the point where we can give you even more lead time before a tornado warning. So we're understanding how the atmosphere sets up in real time for a tornado potential for a warning. So we're also getting a better understanding of the atmosphere that would be conducive to having a tornado watch issued. And that vice versa between a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch. So I think that overall more data is being used and it's a bigger component of that versus the fact it's benign. The fact we have more data makes it seem like it's more benign. And it'd be interesting to go back, I know we don't have it here, to also see is there an increase in severe thunderstorm watches proportionally versus tornado watches in that same kind of time frame. Do you see more tornado watch or see more severe thunderstorm watches versus tornado watches in those years? That would be something to look at for sure. Let me see. I don't think they shared that stat specifically. Um, it could be something they'll take a look back on for sure. Let's see. Just give me one second here. We're close. We'll wrap up the meteorological summer thing real quick. If you're looking for how our temperatures are going to be while Joe's looking this up, we have a 35% chance of seeing above average temperatures for the three-month span, June, July, and August. So we will have 
potential to see above average temperatures. And we got off to a pretty hot start uh, yesterday. We, we got back into the 90s, so the heat is already here to start off our meteorological summer, and we're going to see temperatures remaining above average for the next several days as well. How's it coming over there? I'm struggling to find the exact number uh, for May severe thunderstorm watches, but I did see a comment that I also find interesting. You've got the moderate risk comment. We went through the month of May without a moderate or high risk. That's the first May to do that since 1995 or what is believed to be the start of these types of convective outlooks. Not too long ago, the convective outlooks were updated. So it used to just be slight, moderate, high. Now they've added marginal, slight, enhanced, moderate, high. So is the addition of the enhanced risk, you had quite a few enhanced risks in May, is that taking the role of those more special days where, you know, something really is going to outbreak for a moderate or it's really going to be bad, we'll go high risk, you know? And that's the trick you run into whenever you change the way that you do a certain thing like that. Whenever you have certain categories over for a certain period of time, 30 years, and then you change it five, 10 years ago, it's going to adjust. It's going to have an impact on your data. So it's possible that they're issuing more enhanced, obviously, versus moderates because moderate is now a step up. Regarded as higher. Yes. A very interesting stat that supports the tornado watch comment. Okay, tornado watches. This was the fewest number of tornado watches in recorded history this past month. Well, the good news is we also had the fewest number of recorded tornadoes in May since 1970. So not only do we have less watches, the people who are issuing these watches were correct. The tornado threat was not there. Uh, We saw the fewest number of EF2 plus tornadoes in recorded history as well. So that's good. That's really good stuff for sure. You know, we saw a couple major cities really just get devastated by severe weather earlier this year. Nashville, Jonesboro. There's been there's been a lot of activity this this spring. April was active. April was more active than normal. So you went from an above average severe weather month to something that was very quiet. Very interesting to see how June will set up. And uh, we'll, this is whenever we typically see an uptick in our severe weather here in the Midwest. We're a little bit later than what you would typically see uh, down towards the Mid-South and Dixie Alley. So as we get a little bit more heat, a little bit more moisture in here, we'll see how uh, our severe chances will play out for this month and throughout the summer. As always, we'll keep you aware on Owain.com here on Wayne 15 on the air and on the Wayne weather app. Some pretty cool things have happened over the last week. Let's touch on them in our what the hail. What the hail? What the hail, Adam? As we talked about a below average severe weather season in May, we are setting records. We're <laughs> we are setting records in the Atlantic basin for tropical cyclones. We have now had our third named cyclone of the season, but the season only started yesterday. We actually had two tropical cyclones that occurred prior to the start of hurricane season, which again is June 1st. This is the first time in history that we've had three named storms this early in the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's Crease Tobal, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, that is the third storm that is down right now by the Yucatan. Uh, p- 
Peninsula in Mexico. It is going to slowly move north in the Gulf. I feel like we've been talking about the tropics each week with a different storm we've been keeping an eye on. And now we're here with the third storm and hurricane season is officially beginning. Yeah, occurring in pretty rapid succession here too. The peak of hurricane season happens later in September because of a delayed heating effect. So you get all the summertime heat down in the tropics and in the Atlantic and all that heat really warms up those those ocean waters while our temperatures as a whole may start to decrease a bit in September, the water's still warm. So as the atmosphere becomes a bit more active around that time of the year, the water's warm, you still have the engine to keep the hurricanes going. Hope that makes sense. What's interesting this year is, like any other year, we've got many names. Yes, we hurricanes. do. They and, already released a list of names. And we have pronunciations. So we want to have some fun with this today because I thought it was Cristobal. I did too. I was wrong. Based on the pronunciation, it is Cristobal. K-R-E-E-S enunciating on the T-O-H ball, B-A-H-L. And there's several names. Cristobal. So, so far we've had... We think we're saying that right if we say Cristobal. We've had had Arthur and Bertha, which have been standard. We've had Cristobal. Then you've got Dolly. Then you've got... Edward. Edward. Faye. Easy enough. Faye's pretty easy. Uh... Gonzalo. 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 I love how you're giving me the hard ones. Oh, I've seen you've set me up. Go I ahead. have. I have. Uh, <laughs> the next one looks like it should just be Hannah, but the pronunciation says Hana. And this one is the one that I am least looking forward to, if and when this storm gets named. You said it, I think, flawlessly earlier, but I'm going to give it a go. It's the eye storm. Is that right? Or is it Isaias? I don't know. Man, that's gonna be a tough one. We'll have to see what the uh some of the people around the country call it. Yeah, they, the National they, Hurricane Center. English is not, as you're probably telling, our strong suit. Uh, we can speak Isaias. Isaias. That's it. Isaias, right? You'd think it'd be Isaias. I, th- I would say it'd be Isaias. Or no, there's another I in there. Though. Yes, exactly. But you you look at it initially, and that's what you would think it would be. But with the pronunciator, it looks different. It's very interesting because you see every year we have the, the tropical cyclones, and you think you're saying it right. Sometimes the ones that look the easiest are not how they're supposed to be pronounced per the naming guide, which sometimes it's like that in real life. You could, yeah. pronounce, you could spell a name that looks like Kaylee, for instance, but sometimes it's pronounced Kylie or Kaylee. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sometimes exactly. Sometimes you have different ways that people inflect how they want their name to be pronounced. That's what makes it tough with hurricane season because you look at this and the you know most Josephine. Of, that's pretty standard. Is pretty standard. Kyle, Laura, Marco, Marco Nana, Nana, Omar, Paulette, Renee. Renee. But it looks like the emphasis is on nay, so Renee. Yeah. Sally. Teddy. Teddy. <laughs> I think we're putting too much emphasis. Too much emphasis. It's just Teddy. Emphasis on the wrong syllable. Vicky Wilfred. Yes. So that is 2020. I purposely printed off the 2021 names because National Hurricane Center, 
is going full frozen. We have Anna and Elsa. Oh. So we have that. I couldn't figure that out. You told me you printed yeah. this off on purpose, but yeah. yeah. I wanted to touch base on this. And also, if you can't get into the Hall of Fame, get on to the National Hurricane Center naming list. <laughs> right. Peter Rose. The P and the R names. Back ah, to back. Peter and Rose back to back. Pete Rose. Do you think that's <laughs> on purpose? I have no idea. But I found it funny that there are some specific names in there that are uh, more culturally relevant probably than typical yeah, it's whether like, it's on purpose or not, I do not know. It's like they put a little bit of a spin on it. Interesting. What is also cool is you can look back at the list for like this year. Go back to the last time they used it, which I believe was five years ago, and look at the new additions. So obviously if a storm is so destructive, it'll get its name retired. They won't ever use it again. It's interesting when you look back, for instance, if you look at the 2005 season, you had Katrina. Then they used that again in 2010, and they had a different name for K. So that's pretty cool, too. It's interesting how this naming happens. The enunciations are always fun in the meteorological community to see uh, how different they are, and then everybody comes to consensus on how to properly say it. Yeah, who can say it right, who can who says it wrong early on. And it's not like it's intentional. I mean, even with those pronunciation guys, we're still kind of like, how do you say some of those? So that's one thing where we, we work as a meteorological community to try to get it right. And it, it, names are always tricky, especially if you're not uh, familiar with how to say them. And uh, it's a learning experience. Some of the names you will never forget how to say. Now, with hurricane season, you always pay attention to Florida. All eyes were on Florida this past week, That's last right. Wednesday. That's right. The launch got scrubbed. On Saturday, though, the launch was a go. 3.22 in the afternoon. SpaceX and NASA launched two American astronauts from American soil on an American-built rocket. Pretty exciting from every aspect of it. Uh, the, the couple hours leading up to the launch for us as meteorologists trying to kind of now cast and predict what would be happening in the area around Cape Canaveral and the historic launch complex 39A Yes, our eyes were locked on there. That's correct. Uh, the The interesting part from this whole thing is there was a list that was going around of all the criteria that has to be met for a go from weather. It's not just, okay, you can't have a thunderstorm in the area. There's so many things that the space weather forecasters in the, I believe they're uh, the Space Force weather forecasts, are they, they are watching very closely the, the size of the clouds or the height of the clouds that could have the potential to produce an electric field or have an electric field. and I mean, the electric field th- uh, thing was fascinating to me because they have to make sure that they don't have any a, a certain level of basically electrons that could potentially, by launching a rocket into this field, spark lightning, which is nuts to think about. I mean, it's easy to look at radar and say, all right, there's a couple of showers in the area. We're good to go. But yet there's still no go for launch because the clouds are charged. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be riding on a rocket that all of a sudden produces lightning. Yeah, that is, uh, that is not ideal. Uh, what I also found interesting is that a weather phenomenon helped this launch go. 
I don't know if you're watching the radar. Yep. But there were storms that popped up in central Florida and were moving to the east. They were moving towards Cape Canaveral. And an hour before the launch, a sea breeze yep. came in, which is when the wind comes off of the ocean and inland. And that was just enough to stall those storms and help them break up just in time for that launch. It's more stable air coming in. Yeah. It cuts off the inflow to those storms, and it was pretty cool to watch as the storms came over. It was kind of like Pac-Man. The storms came over towards the sea breeze, and then they just fell apart right along that boundary, and that gave really good guidance to the to the forecasters. I think it was still closer than maybe they want to admit, but I don't know. I They gave the all-clear like 30 minutes before, and then they obviously gave it again at 15, and they were good to go. But, yeah, it was a little bit dicey there, questioning if they were going to go or not. And they probably would have been able to go on on Wednesday if they had another 10 minutes, but they couldn't because of how, one, the rocket is fueled, and two, the way that they launch, the timing that they have for the launch is ideal for them to catch up to the space station. I was really excited for this. On Friday here, I got to do a story with an amateur space historian here in Fort Wayne, John McGully. He's was really insightful. Uh, to get to hear from him and uh, talk to him not only about my story, but then get to talk to him about everything else. This is really big for America, really big for America. This this means we're back. We're back in space. and We can get there on our own. We can get there on our own. And hopefully, for me, I'm a little bit of a space nut, but hopefully, hopefully this is the start of new things to come with the the space space launch system that they're working on brand new NASA rocket technology that could take us to the moon and beyond and I just think there's a lot of hope there you know there's what's out there space exploration is fantastic so this is the key step in getting us back to the moon once we get to the moon Mars I'm very excited for the potential of going to Mars I think it would be so neat it's gonna be so cool to watch astronauts back on the moon. That's going to be... I saw a poll question that NASA put out, and I'll pose this to you. Would you rather visit the Apollo 11 site where man first landed on the moon, or would you rather visit, I believe it's the south uh, south part of the moon that nobody has ever been to? I don't know. I think it'd be cool to go back to Apollo 11. I'd like them to go back there and get uh, some footage of what's there still. You know that no matter what. So that the naysayers can There's going to be those naysayers. I just, we went to always the, there. We went to the moon. Okay, we're going to get Joe fired up. You're not, I'm not fired up, but we went to the moon. <laughs> okay? Yes, we did. All right, let's move on to hits and misses. Hits and misses. This is NASA hit with putting astronauts on the moon nearly 50 years ago. We hit with our clouds on Monday. Uh, we saw, well, first when I came in here Saturday morning, I had mostly sunny in the forecast for Monday. Adam quickly saw a change in that outlook and made the change to partly cloudy, and, and I continued that into Sunday. We saw what really was an interesting day Monday. We started out with a lot of sunshine Monday morning, went partly cloudy through the afternoon, and then we were completely overcast by Monday night. At the same time, we didn't bite some of the models that yes. were spitting out <laughs> – uh, very interesting amounts of moisture 
we kind of uh, we kind of sat back, and I think we came out a lot drier than some of the data. So we were pretty happy with that. Yeah, Monday night and a Tuesday there was a chance for some rain, and we we did not bite as you said on that. What we should have bitten on was the warm air infection that we had on Tuesday because that was our miss. Uh, we hit low 90s again. Our forecast, I don't think it was a double-digit miss. I think we were in the low to mid-80s, so not quite a double-digit miss, which is what we try to avoid even at that time frame out. Uh, but it was definitely a miss because we were, we were cooler. We thought there was going to be more clouds still sticking around for our Tuesday that would limit our heating, but Tuesday was very similar to Sunday at times where we barely saw a cloud in the sky. I think there were a few clouds Tuesday morning from that residual moisture potential Monday night into Tuesday. And then once those clouds moved out on Tuesday, we were already pushing uh, into the 80s very early on in the day uh, by lunch hour. And then we were in the low 90s by the 3 4 o'clock hour. So definitely feeling like June. The humidity also ticked up as well. Yeah, I couldn't believe how clear the skies were yesterday. Just looking at, again, some of the data we were looking at with no doubt warm air advection helping to, to heat us up, but a lot of times you get the moisture advection that accompanies that, and that was a definite shock to see how much sunshine we had yesterday, but I don't think anybody's complaining. I, I don't think many people were complaining. People might have been complaining about the humidity and that it's now quote-unquote icky outside is what I've heard from some people. First off, you complain that it's too cold, and then we warm it up for you, and now it's too hot. Make up your mind. Make it up. I'm okay with the heat. It's June. It's supposed to be hot and humid. Go cool off by a lake. Go to the beach. Multiple options to cool down. Find some shade. Let's check our inbox. It's the past the forecast inbox. Which one do you want to start with? We got two here. Start with the weather one or start with the fun one? <laughs> uh, flip a coin. I don't have a coin. I have a cell phone. Here we go. It's got a it's got a case on it. Are you really gonna throw your phone? That's the fun question. That's the weather question. Here well, they're we both fun. We're starting with the weather question. Weather question. You literally threw your phone on the ground. I tossed it lightly. <laughs> it's fine. It's got a good case on it. You know what that phone's been through? I I don't want to know. Throwing it all over the place. So, the weather question comes from Sam. How early can we see the potential for a severe weather event? Depends really depends. I think the signals that you could have strong to severe thunderstorm activity are there well in advance. Uh, the, the question is the probability of it. So you can, you can see what looks to be, all right, this could be a big severe weather event on some of the, the model data, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days out sometimes. But how factual is that? If you're showing me what looks to be great science for severe weather eight days from now, I'm going to say, okay. There's so many components that have to line up perfectly. Right. But as we get into that five-day period, that four-day period, oh, yeah, you can start to really get a good eye, and certainly three days in. But sometimes it takes until four hours before. Yeah, you won't – obviously, you don't know a severe weather event likelihood is going to happen until basically the day of. You get a very, very good idea, obviously. But the SBC puts out their, uh, their day three outlook – That's usually pretty solid, as we've talked about in the past. They go out as far as eight days. I can't tell you the last time I saw a day eight 
potential for severe weather. No, but I've seen day seven. I have seen day seven. I've seen day seven for sure. Um, if the GFS, one of our long-range models, and the, the European, one of our long-range models, and perhaps even the Canadian data, if that's all coming together and showing a similar trend synoptically what we talk about our upper airflow and what would be conducive to severe weather on the surface, yeah, they'll, they'll put it out there. And a lot of times they'll say, okay, but right yeah, now yeah. the uncertainty is still... It's going to change. Right. And that's with any forecast. You have to keep that in mind. So usually about three days out, we have a pretty good idea on the potential for severe weather. And then the day of, that's when you get the chances for tornado watches, severe thunderstorm watches, and obviously those warnings hours before they come, sometimes minutes, depending on the, the speed at which they develop and form. Let's move on to the fun one, or as you're calling it, the fun one. Paul asks, what is your favorite snack? Yes, yeah, so this is a non-weather related one. We're welcoming these questions as well. They do not have to be weather related. And as for my favorite snack, uh, are we talking about obscure snacks or? It's Friday night. You're tired, but you're hungry. What are you right. eating? I'll take some Ritz <laughs> crackers. I'll take some cheddar cheese, sprinkle that on top. Solid. Throw some pepperoni if I have it. Ooh. It's not necessary. Sometimes yeah. I do that. And I throw it in the microwave on a paper plate for like 15, 20 seconds. Melt the cheese. <whistles> Makeshift nachos, even though they're crackers. It's pretty good. I don't know if I have a proper answer for this. It's changed. What has it changed? What, what has it changed to then? Well, I don't really try to snack at all lately. That's a big thing. You're trying to watch your figure? Of course. You know, like anything else, just trying to be healthy. So, I don't know. I, I like yogurt. I think <laughs> yogurt's good. So, you're going with yogurt, and here I am with Ritz crackers, cheese, But potato and chips, okay. of course, right? Like, we've all had those nights where we're just coming in, coming off work or whatever, and we're just hungry, you grab a bag of Doritos out of the cabinet, and just all of a sudden the bag's halfway gone, and you go, oh, man, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, stuff like that. Lately it's been trying to be as healthy as I can, so fruits and stuff like that, but, yeah, I mean, come on. Let's be real. Potato chips. Potato chips. Is there a, is there a beverage included with that? Yeah, usually. <laughs> it's usually not water. <laughs> Put it, we'll leave it at that, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's distilled. Well, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Oh. <laughs> that has, might have carbs in it. That helps fill up your your snacking. Yes, it does. Right? Uh, so you can always send our question, your questions to us on at past the forecast at wayne dot com. You can also leave comments on our social media. Send those to us as well. We're looking forward to answering them here on the past the forecast podcast. And uh, I think it was a pretty good episode once again. Episode sixteen. Yeah, pretty busy today with a lot of weather stuff, a lot of atmospheric stuff. Touched on. Space stuff. A lot of topics. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Sometimes it's a little tough to find exactly what to talk about, but this was this one came pretty well today. And we're going to uh, have an update for you next week on our version of the match, I guess you could say, uh, from the golf course, if we get out, weather permitting. It's not going to be as good or as talented. It. Adam will win. It's not going to be Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. It's going to be more uh, both of us playing the role of Tom Brady, occasionally hitting a good shot. Trying to not be the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it goes. Adam will win. No, I won't. 
Adam will 100% You've win. played way more than me. I'm hot right now a little bit. Like I've, like I said, for a couple, couple, couple holes here and there, I'm finding my stride pretty well, but consistency, it's you. I mean, you're a six or below on every hole. I'm maybe no, a four here, maybe a three here, <laughs> but I'm also an eight here. So, Well, I appreciate you thinking of my skills as being better. But but I not. didn't think it had to be a competition until I came into this podcast today, so I don't okay. know. Now as I'm gonna much have to as you say, it's not a competition. Get up early. I'm going to have to do some stretches. We always sit there and have some you protein know powder in my, uh, we count. my smoothie. We do count. I think... I think we keep it really light, and we don't really say much about it. But it's there, though. I think once you get to 18T, you're like, hey, where you at? Dude. I don't even ask you. I know where you're at. I'm keeping track of you. Yeah, I don't I don't really keep track of you. I just kind of... I have an idea. I know where you're at after the turn, and then I just kind of let it happen. But the other day, you tried to pull a fast one on me. You counted wrong. Folks, we're going to see you next time <laughs> as uh, we try to be... Uh, in honor of your eagle three. That's right. About the weather this week. This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.